Hey everybody, Michael Zune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. Today we have a long-awaited guest. I've wanted Krista on the show for what, like a year now, I guess, probably? I think so. So now we have her on here today. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Hopefully you haven't set the bar too high with waiting a whole year. <laughs> I'm Krista Williams. I work for Bank of America and I am in Knoxville, Tennessee. What I do is a very interesting job that I've kind of fell into years ago, I work on a government contracting team. We provide consulting type services for both businesses as well as my peers within the bank to help them understand the government contracting industry. What does that even really mean? What that means is that I have hundreds of bankers across the country in the commercial bank area, and they will manage portfolios of business. They will have a number of clients in that, but to know government contracting, as you all well know, you got to live it, eat it every day. For us to to be able to have a lot of industry connectivity, really understand what's going on within the industry. We help both, like I said, internally help my teammates understand what it is that they're talking to and talking about. But then when we talk to a company, it's how can we help advance that business? How can we help meet their needs of business growth, business strategy? The questions have come from all forms at this point. I've really enjoyed doing it as long as I have. I've been with Bank of America for 18 years now and focused in the GovCon space for about 13 of that. Wow. A lot of people don't realize how small the Bank of America GovCon team is. <laughs> there's only three of you that I know of. There's you, there's Ed, you've got another guy recently in yep. Huntsville, right? Chris, uh, Chris Patty, yeah. The team is pretty small. And when I talk to people, they're like, I can just call the bank. And I'm like, you can't just call the bank. <laughs> because if you just call like your local Bank of America, they're going to say, oh, government contract. Oh, so you need an SBA loan. That is like the extent usually of that yeah. knowledge because that's not the typical person walking through their door every day where right. you're a lot more specialized. When I first talked to you, I mean, it was very apparent to me. I'm like, oh, you actually know this market like really, really well. You know it like we know it yeah. when it comes to like the strategies you need to use to grow people, you know, the connections and all those kind of things that you have as a bank because there's some stat rolling around and I don't know how accurate it is, but I've heard that Bank of America has somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 plus percent of the checking accounts for government contracts. Contractors. Is that remotely yeah. accurate? Well, we have relationships with 82 of the top 100 government contractors. So we yeah. definitely have a great depth of knowledge in supporting the industry and not just from the small businesses or even just the large primes that are out there. It's really across the entire enterprise. So it's really a great opportunity for us where we sit in the commercial bank to be able to support because most of our clients are going to be privately held in that small business category and allow us to really help support their business, most of the challenges that a small business is going to have is on those relationships and on their growth strategies. They may be the brains behind the operation of why their business exists. They may be the product solution or the service provider. Like I said, the, the brains behind it, they may not know, hey, have you ever thought about looking at solicitations that are in pre-acquisition phase rather than waiting for them to drop on Sam? So it's a conversation for us just to sometimes point out maybe sometimes just the obvious. It's very engaging for us and we really enjoy it. I really love being able to help these companies because sometimes it's just that one little bit of nugget of knowledge that they take, they learn, and it just changes the company completely in that direction. It's really great to be able to help businesses from that.
perspective. And one of the things that I wanted to kind of debunk a little bit right out of the gate here was the fact that the way you help these companies is not just a checking account or a loan. Most people think when it comes to a bank, right? You know, you got bank in the name there, but that's what it is. It's a checking account, savings account, a loan of some sort, a line of credit, something along those lines. When, as you described there, you didn't describe yourself as a banker, as more of a consultant, somebody that's helping them with all of these challenges. I brought you up yesterday in a coaching call with a client. And I said, I challenge you, Mr. Client, to <laughs> challenge Krista and her team on someone they they don't know, because you guys always know someone somewhere, yeah. right? And they were like, oh, you know, is there any way that you can help us meet somebody here? And I'm like, I might not be able to, but I bet they can. As I'm going through my list of things when I'm talking to people, one of the things I always bring up is who do you bank with? What's your relationship? Those kind of things. Because as you grow, it's so important to have a really right. good banking relationship, not just a checking account. And so I bring that up. I bring you into the picture on that and introduce people. And for those who have never met Krista, I only get emails back that say, oh, I love her. I love that whole team. And <laughs> yep. it's the truth because you're such a valuable resource in the market. And that's one of the reasons why, even if we don't talk about anything else other than what you're doing in the market, people getting to meet you through the podcast to me is really, really important because we make that connection all the time. We value that connection. And I think everybody should know who you are and what you do. When it comes to some <laughs> of the things that you do, I know you, you've kind of touched on some of them, but what are some of the other ways that you support this industry? Did you know we have our own government contracting community? It's called Federal Access. And inside Federal Access, you have all the tools, tips, strategies, documents, templates, everything you're ever going to need to be a government contractor. But you also get brought into our ecosystem. You get into our private LinkedIn group and you get into our live events and all that kind of thing when you become a member of Federal Access. To learn more, go to federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's get back into this episode. A few of the ways, obviously we work with businesses, we help with a lot of that strategy. So that's helping them grow their companies. By growing the company, obviously they're impacting the industry and providing all those services. I'd say we also get involved really at the organization level. So we work with groups like the National Aid Association, the NDIA, AFSIA, Defense Leadership Forum, APTAC, which is going to be changing to the APEX. We're excited to work with a lot of those groups because in doing that, again, we're meeting our clients where they're at. We're understanding the pain points of what they're being challenged with on a day-to-day -day and on that interaction. But then it also allows us to have conversations to help share that kind of advice, to share that type of knowledge that we have, make connections while we're there. To your point, there's a lot of connections that we make, but you go to some of these same conferences and you see the same folks at them. So while being a very large industry, it's a very small world and a very small connection. I'm excited to get to go to the 8A conference in a couple weeks. I haven't seen some of the folks that are going to be there. And, you know, at that point, I've been enough times that, you know, you've really established great relationships with them. So it's really an exciting time that not only are you having business discussions and you're supporting the companies and the industry overall, but it allows us to actually get out there, tell the story about what we're doing at the bank, and then be hopefully a solution to a lot of companies. I think one of the points that people don't realize about going to the events and meeting people and seeing them over and over again is that when it comes to government contracting, I'm just going to say this 
and a lot of people are probably going to cringe about it. There's a lot of scam artists in this market. Oh yeah. There's yeah. so many of them. It's <laughs> like this market attracts them like the strongest magnet on the planet. It's really wild to me how yeah. many times you meet a company and you're like, oh man, I feel like I need a shower after that conversation. <laughs> Something was really <laughs> wrong about that. And it happens so often. The government sees that a lot. I mean, you got to yeah. imagine how much or how often they are screening those companies and are like, oh, this is not really a legit company. And the other thing they're facing is all of these brand new companies that are a one-person company, maybe a two-person company, maybe it's a husband and wife or whatever it is. And they started this company and they have no business. They don't have any commercial business. They don't have any government business. And they are completely 100% faking it till they make it. You have those people, you have the scam artists and all those people kind of mixed in there together. The conferences or recurring conference events are a way for them to sort of sort that out, right? Where like, hey, you know, I've seen Krista two, three times, four conferences over the last two, three years now. They right. must be legitimate. They're yeah. either legitimate or they have a trust fund they're living on. Because I have seen a few people that I'm like, does this person have a single client? They are in every event everywhere, but I never see them talk about work they're doing. But I think just showing up over and over and over again yeah. shows people that you're there to stay. You're not going away. There's some element of trust that shows up just by that second or third time that you saw somebody. I know last year, there's a handful of people I met at the Alaska conference. And then a few weeks later, I saw them at the Hub Zone conference. Just those two things almost back to back was enough for people to go, oh, these guys are legitimate because they'd never heard exactly. of us before. You yep. know, And so there's a lot of legitimacy that gets attributed to a company by going through those events. People don't realize. I like how you said that the government is, it's so big and yet it's so small. <laughs> if you know one person here, next thing you know, you're going to see that person at another conference a year from now, two years from now, yeah. they're in another job, but they're still in the government. Exactly. They're just expanding your footprint as you go. You know, to your point about the scam artists, there there was one meeting that we had a couple years ago and business owner was really excited about getting some opportunities and he was a little nervous about us being a consultant. And I use my air quotes for that because he'd had some experiences before where he was wanting to get an introduction into SOCOM. He had some opportunities, had the right type of service to provide to them. The consultant that he was working with wanted to charge him 50 grand to make an introduction to somebody at SOCOM. Wow. And then if he didn't pay it, he wasn't going to do the introductions. That's not how this industry works. It was really unfortunate that we heard that. And no, we could just do a warm introduction, just do an email, send us your capability yeah. brief and we'll shoot it over. But at that point, I think that's where some folks that may have the right product, the right solution for the government, for the warfighter, they don't get to bring it because they get discouraged in scenarios like that. That's just so unfortunate. That person I was talking to yesterday, they said, so once we become a client, you'll introduce me to Krista, right? I said, if you want an email, I'll send it now. <laughs> we get the I, same we, thing. I'll just send it right now. You don't have to become a client for me to introduce mm -hmm. you to somebody that's going to help you. It's not the business we're in. I'd appreciate it if you became a client, but it's okay if you don't. I often hear these numbers of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000. The highest number I've ever heard for one meeting was $75,000 for a breakfast with a oh. congressman. And it was actually a company I worked for almost 20 years ago. They paid 75 grand for this breakfast. It's crazy. And it's like, people don't realize that is not even who you need to be talking to most right. of the time. On the flip side of that, I have had clients come to me. This was a funny one. This client came and said, what do you do? And so I'm going through how we do the coaching and consultant. And he's like, can we just short circuit this whole thing. And like, what if I gave you a bag of money? How big does the bag have to be for you to just give me a contract? That's not how it works. And he's like 50 grand, 75 grand. He got up to like 150 grand on the call. And I'm like, 
I don't think I'm the guy for you. That's not how it works. He's like, I don't want to have to learn the market. I just want to give you some money and you give me a contract in return. Yeah. That's only happened to me once in the last 20 years, but that was kind of a funny one. Now I do have some student loans to pay off, so I'd be happy to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is one of those things where people might learn something just from this side of things. People think that an introduction to, let's say the president or some other high level official is going to get you a contract. I'll go off a not political tangent here, but regardless of what side you sit on, on politics, people do think, well, you know, that's how it works. You know, you go, you talk to one of those people, yeah. they give you a contract behind the door. That stuff <laughs> may happen, but in general, that's just not how it works. That isn't even the right person for you to meet. I'm always really skeptical of the people that says, we're going to introduce you to the highest level decision makers. We're going to soul source this behind the door. Those are really skeptical. Hey, it's too good to be true type mm -hmm. of things. It's unfortunate for where I sit and what I get to see every day. It's wonderful when I can see a small business that's maybe in their first year or two of their A-Day. They start working with maybe an Alaska Native Corporation. It allows them to have access to sometimes building that relationship and being able to get access to a contract that they may not have been able to get access to before. Yeah. And then it just could catapult them through their time in the A-Day program and really set them up for when they graduate, they're graduating successfully. That's really what we love to see with businesses is, you know, if you want to stay within the A-Day program, happy to help you navigate that if you have questions or happy to make introductions. That's been a lot of opportunity for us is we see folks that say, I'm losing this contract because I'm graduating out of the 8A, but I really would like to recompete it. I need to have somebody that can help me out and just simply making an introduction. Like you said, it doesn't matter if they're a client because for us, we can work with a number of companies across the country, which is really great opportunity for me. I don't really have a geography, so I can work with companies anywhere. Knowing that we can help a business succeed and make those connections sometimes by making an introduction for you as a business, whether or not you do bank with us as much as I want you to, but maybe the Alaskan company that I'm introducing you to is a client of the banks. Mm. And so for us, for us to be able to then impact an even larger client that may not have thought that, hey, this is something that we could tap into. And same with other large primes. I've had some interaction with folks that they had some very different capabilities that they were looking at in the list of companies. And they said, can you provide me with some guidance on who should I go with on this particular contract? I mean, I had the smallest of smalls to the largest of largest. Okay. Is there a set aside requirement here? Is there a past performance, mm -hmm. a capability? And we've got really, really granular into what they were looking for as far as they wanted past performance with the Air Force at Warner Robins. And we were able to actually drill into finding out, oh, well, the people that are the incumbents, we're familiar with them. We know them. We've reached out to their ownership. Just simply, again, facilitated introductions. And it's just a really unique opportunity that is not what others are doing out there. And like you said, they may be charging ridiculous amounts of money, but our team operates with the banking partners. So I don't have a billable hour. I don't have a per email rate or anything like that. It's right. not an extra line item. It's just that we've been able to really look at, there's an opportunity to impact change and impact small business and help them succeed in the best way possible. For us, being able to do this allows us to impact not just a business owner, but it could help a woman-owned business that's starting it out for the first time, a minority-owned business, you name it. It's a really great opportunity to then help those individuals, but then you're doing the right thing for the warfighter, for the service member. And it's just a really great opportunity for us. Being able to focus in on this industry and really zero in on that allows the bankers to do what they do every day, set up the checking account, set up the credits, set up the lines that are needed to help fund everything. And then we can come in and really have a very strategic conversation. There are some folks that meet with us monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, once a month.
month, or they're just going to shoot us an email and say, Hey, have you heard about this contract? I need to have a line of credit because I'm bidding a contract and it's asking me to have this, you know, ridiculous amount. And it, again, it allows us mm -hmm. to have a really great conversation about financial feasibility and, and really breaking it out into what the business is looking for. We really enjoy being a strategic partner for them in that respect. That's awesome. And even though you mentioned that you're not limited geographically, if somebody is in government, you are basically the entry point into Bank of America to have yeah. those government discussions. Mm -hmm. So regardless of where they are, they don't need to go down to their local bank. It's, hey, well, let's call Krista and let's get her yeah. involved. And then you can work with whatever their local bank is on yes. any of those other mechanisms that are going on. Kind of walk through a couple of scenarios there. And I think that would be helpful if we could almost role play a scenario here. I'm a construction company or cybersecurity company or something like that. And I come to you, let's pretend for a moment, like I'm a construction company. I'm in Texas. Let's say maybe we're in the Austin area or something like that, kind of right there in the middle. And we've been doing a lot of commercial work, but we're now dipping our toe into the government market. What are a couple of the questions you're going to ask me about the business? That's a really good question, especially in construction. For example, there's a woman owned small business out of Anchorage and she runs a company and the work that they're doing is remediation services. So they appear to be a construction company, but questions that I'm going to ask are going to get very granular in that respect to say, what are the next codes on the contracts that you have? What's on your backlog? We actually have a template that we've built out that we look at and we want to make sure we understand what are the next codes for the contract awards? What's funded versus unfunded? What's your time left on the performance of that contract? And a lot of these questions are going to be standard across any type of business. We're going to ask questions about set-asides, even though I could probably find those before I meet with them. We're going to look at past performance. We want to understand, are you a prime contractor or subcontractor? Again, a lot of the prime work we could find at the federal level. Have you had past experience at state, local level contracts? What's the experience of the ownership? Have you been doing this for your entire life or did you just buy into the company? Or in this case, they were second generation business owners. It was a really good opportunity for us. The more information and the more detail that we can get about the business and especially understanding it in relation to the government contracts allows me and my team to take that information back to our underwriters. So when they ask questions about why are we looking at projections? projections are, you know, fabricated or made up, or we think we're going to hit 10% growth business. Well, we look at a backlog and we can see awarded contracts. We can say, no, this is the projections for the business over the course of the next period of time. And that allows us to really help mitigate some concerns. And especially if I see things like a subcontract to well-known clients of the bank. I mean, you've seen my capability doc. We've got names like Raytheon, Boeing on there, Khaki, Mantec. Seeing those names on there, and I see that on a backlog report, say to me, that there is great history and there's great connectivity within that business. So we understand where the revenue is going. We help talk through a lot of the industry aspects of the company. And then obviously we look through the past performance of the financials, but we already know you could be $5 million this year, but you could have won a contract that's going to put you at 15 tomorrow and at the end of this year. So for us to be able to have that kind of background and knowledge to be able to say, this is what we can do and this is how we can help has been great. I will even say that we, again, Again, because of how the industry works and how our networks are, sometimes we may not be the right answer for a particular opportunity. Again, knowing the contacts of the industry, we can leverage partners and other resources. We were on a call recently with Isaac Ellsworth of Republic Capital Access. Collaborating with them at times allows us to be able to say, hey, there may be an opportunity that they can help us with and we can work together to help support the business and get them what they need. It's not a competition of, well, you're doing the work and I'm not. It's, we're doing the right thing 
working for the right purpose right. when the business needs it. We're just all trying to help. Exactly. That's the bottom line with all this stuff. What made you choose government contracting? Out of all of the paths you could take at the bank, how did you wind <laughs> up in this path? Oh, it's a very funny story. And I don't even think that the company that was responsible for this even knew this until recently. I'll kind of even back it up a little bit further. I went to college to be an elementary teacher for a number of years and realized in a classroom of sixth graders that it was not meant for me. I love kids. I was doing a lot with that, but it really was not what was going to drive me to work every day. I was already working at the bank. I was enjoying the business aspects, working in a call center, and then I started to work in the commercial bank. I was excited to work with businesses and really get a little more hands-on. I was setting up accounts, just one of the roles that I had in the past, and opening accounts for a business, and they just had some very different requirements that was different from what anybody else had asked me to set up before. And I thought, if anybody knows me, they know I ask a million questions. I said, there's something different here. There's a story to this. I did what I do and I asked questions. When they shared with me that they were a government contractor, that they had requirements that they had to meet, I thought, okay, tell me more. In doing that, it really set me on a path of understanding what my market was. I was in Jacksonville, Florida. So this company was based in St. Augustine, which I love that area. In working with those guys and getting their accounts set up, I really got my hands around understanding the concept of government contracting. It's how I was introduced to Edward and started working with him because in Jacksonville, for those that aren't familiar, it's quite the Navy town. And just for us to understand what the opportunity was, it was just something different for us to bring to market of understanding what these companies did. Through that, I mean, that was 13 years ago. And I just realized that this was meant for me. This was my path and what I wanted to do. And so I continued to follow that. I did a number of kind of hands-on account opening type work and then and moved into a more analytical role from a regional perspective to do, you know, just data opportunity analytics to help the teams and then moved into the national position that we're in now of our small but mighty three-person team. Yeah. I mean, it was really what inspired me to actually go back to school to get my MBA at the University of Tennessee, specializing in aerospace and defense. I never thought that just by simply opening an account and working with that one company way back then was going to set me on that right path. I've really been excited to work with this. I've got family that have been in the military and my classmates were in the military. And so for me, it puts a face to all of it. And so I've just been really grateful to find my passion for what I do. I'm excited to keep doing it. Nice. That's an awesome story. I do talk to a handful of people that knew from a really early time, this is what I want to do in life. And I'm like, yeah. I wasn't one of those people either. Like to this day, I'm like, how did I wind up doing what I do today? The only thing that makes sense in my life is the podcast and the book writing. Everything else doesn't make sense if you knew me earlier in my life. I think a lot of people just kind of wind up. You have that moment where you're like, oh, this is interesting and I'm going to do this. And some people have it on the opposite side and they're like, how did I get doing this? And I don't like it. Right. It's always great when you hear, how did I get in this? And I do like it. It's been great. Love everything you've had to say. I, I could probably talk to you for hours on here, but I know we don't have that much time. So is there anything we've missed today in talking about the banking relationship or anything you wanted to get out there as kind of some final words for us? I'd say make sure that you leverage them as a partner of yours. Make sure they understand what it is that you do, specifically from a government contracting perspective. You have a variety of service providers that you need to know that they understand the FAR and that they understand the elements and aspects of government contracting and, and how to operate in this business. So if your providers are not able to introduce you to other service providers that are specialized in this industry, then you may need to consider that. But I'd say engage with them, leverage your bankers and others as an actual resource, because that's going to help you in your planning stages and in your business development strategy. That's awesome. Thank you so much.
much for coming on. It's been a, like I said, a long time in the making. And, you know, we just did the coffee and issues with Govology recently and yes. Isaac Ellsworth was on there with us. And I thought that was a fantastic discussion. So I'll probably put a link to it in the description for this one, because we went into that one a lot more in depth of not yes. just what your bank does, but what they do on their side yep. with people who aren't quite ready for the bank, getting people bankable. I think we used that word at a world record pace on that, but that was a really good episode yeah. where we had the two of you on there. I really enjoyed that one. Thank you again. And I look forward to having you on again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.